now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popcorn as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. DX at 105.9. Joining me now in studio from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Serbian Reactionary, Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, uh, let me go off the board with my first question. How stupid is Gregory Polanco to have spent a lifetime in baseball and not know how to slide? Oh, come on. Would you have said that about Rennie Stennett? Yes. Okay, well, things happen. I don't know. Did Rennie Stennett ever ever need shoulder surgery and treatment for a leg injury Rennie, after a slide? Yeah, for those who don't know, this was back in the in the late 70s. And he went seven for seven. My childhood hero, Rennie Stennett from the Pirates. That's weird. Got his, oh no, I, I, my favorite player. He's not even Serbian. Got his spikes stuck in the dirt at This Wrigley isn't the Field. spikes getting stuck in the dirt. I this know. This is an idiot not what knowing is, how to slide. First of all, Polanco's not an idiot. We've had this discussion before. Polanco's anything but an idiot. Idiots. Uh, you know, there are players who come up through the pirate system who aren't oh, are the you greatest. Are going to drafting and development again? No, just developing. Please don't bring it around Because to that. he wasn't drafted. He was a Latin American signing. He, You know, it. You see these guys come up, and they're not particularly sharp fundamentally. They're just not. Yeah, anybody should know how to slide after. Did you notice, all by the way, the when Joe Musgrove and these guys came from Houston, that, 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 that those guys were, we're able talk, to turn not, plays? Not, 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 how about that? What no, do you know? No more pirate talk. I, I was dumb to bring it up because, really, you only hit one note with pirate talk. Yeah, that's right. No, it's actually drafting and developing, so it's two. It's one. Uh, getting to the Steelers. Is that loss at Cleveland tie, rather? Is it just one bad game or a harbinger? Of things to come. Ordinarily, I'd say the former, just one bad game, but it was a real bad result against a real bad. It is a real bad result against a real bad offense, in particular. Uh, Cleveland had obviously their defense has improved. You had to like what you see from Denzel Ward. Miles Garrett was just unbelievable. Uh, that said, yeah, it's a lousy result. I'd say it was one bad game, but and I hate to do this with a fifty-three man roster, but this is a bad game by your quarterback. Uh, oh, no question. I mean, that- Ben Roethlisberger did not play well, and. That's not to say that other things couldn't have gone well to compensate for that, but when Ben had, we counted these up, Mark, that out of his, he had the 18 incompletions, but 10 of them were just flat-out misfires, and that's so rare for Ben. It's it, You can attribute it, yeah, obviously, yeah, to the rain and everything. was all over the place. It really was, and, and that just tells me, plain and simple, that he wasn't on. And there's really nowhere you can go from that. You know that Ben's going to be Ben at some point or other. And actually, he was at different points in that game. Not actually, off, maybe not a little. Off, not off. Well, it's, what's funny is that he actually was old school Ben being Ben at times with the the, the running, the athleticism that he showed uh, to get away from people. Uh, the one of the longest runs of but, his but career. But is that good or bad? What about the risk there? The risk is significant. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, that Todd Art- Haley's job was to keep him upright. And get the ball out. That quick. was why Art Rooney brought him in. And now, yep. after one game without Haley, and I'm not a Haley fan, but all that's out the window. It appears uh, he got out of the pocket a couple of times, and he held on to the ball a little bit too long. But he also had other issues. He didn't play well. If he does play well, the Steelers win the game. We're not even talking about it. Does he need to play more in the preseason? That's moot now because the preseason's over. But would that help? And would that risk be worth the potential? When you've reward? got that much experience, you know how that is in professional sports. You do defer to those guys. Uh, you yeah, let but them, there's, still, you, there's still the rhythm of having done it recently. And we saw, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but in the preseason that uh, Tom Brady played an entire half uh, leading right into the regular season. He needed to get sharp, Bill Belichick, whether, you know, Belichick's not in a position to order Brady around. We know that. Um, so 
I look at it as you have to defer to the veteran, but maybe the veteran needs to be more aware of it. Connor was very good, but he faded at game's end, just 14 yards in his last 10 carries, and he fumbled. How do you feel about Connor moving forward, especially now that better teams are on the horizon, and does the workload need to be split up a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to disagree a little bit that he faded because he also made a couple of big catches uh, out but, of the backfield on those flips. Yeah, and they also were running into stacked lines there. With The Browns knew that they were going to be going for field goal position on that final drive in particular. Uh, the linemen told me up in Cleveland really convincingly that they felt that Connor hit the holes very hard, maybe even harder than they expected. Oh, no, I think so too. I've been saying all week. His acceleration yes. through the hole surprised me. And one thing that that does is that vindicates James on something that I'd been pretty doubtful of through the summer, which his decision to lose weight. And you and I have discussed that on this show. Was that what we wanted to see from him, or did we want to see old-school James Conner from his pit days where he was just knocking people backward? Well, it looks like he made the right call. Well, yeah, and he made the right call for how you need to run the ball in the National Football League. And how the Steelers like to run it. These offensive linemen, they kept comparing his style, not necessarily his accomplishments, obviously, but his style to D'Angelo Williams, where they liked blocking, holding that block and having him go through and then slash to either side. He did a terrific job of that. Was the defense any better? Part of me says maybe, and I like the way the secondary is kind of coalescing, but... Cleveland is so bad, yeah, and Tyrod Taylor is so bad, it's I tough know. to tell. It really is. And the offensive line was worse than Tyrod Taylor. I mean, they, they were an absolute mess, what the Browns were doing, uh, that you couldn't fairly judge even, and I say this with all due respect to the AFC Defensive Player of the Week, T.J. Watt coming up with four sacks, blocked field goal, and everything else, because the entire defensive front spent the entire game in the Cleveland backfield, which disrupts everything. So... Did they do a good job? Yeah. What what impressed me the most, Mark, and I talked with a couple of their players about this today to get confirmation of this, was they had great communication even though they were doing all kinds of different formations. Again, something else you and I talked about on this program. Were they going to be trying to overthink too much? Was Keith Butler going to be pushing too many buttons? Well, he pushed a lot of buttons, but you didn't see any of that Remember the game in New England a couple of years ago, Butler's first game as coordinator where the defense had absolutely no idea how to communicate with each other, and you saw them turning left and right and bumping each other to try to get signals across? None of that happened in Cleveland. Yeah, I, I, I like some of the signs. I like that they tackled better. Yes. Uh, but, and, and You know what's funny? I like the DBs. I just don't know how they fit together best, and, and I fear for them Sunday against Kansas City if Hayden can't play. Because I really do feel like he's the glue, and nobody else can be in his absence. Uh, he He's going to be the most consistent guy. What was also encouraging, I thought, about Sunday in Cleveland, uh, and this actually goes back through the summer in training camp, is that the defensive backs got their hands on the ball. Uh, even Cam Sutton, who got burned for the one touchdown, the next time they went at him, the Browns tried to pick on him. He turns around, plays the ball beautifully, comes up with the interception. That's their thing. They talk about this all the time. They want their hands on the football. Uh, I think they can be a pretty good defense. Not not a great one, but a pretty good one. Now, Kansas City is going to be a, a tougher nut to crack. Uh, Kelsey, Hill, and Hunt as weapons. Mahomes was real good at L.A. It could be a 50-49 to 49 final. And Kelsey is the type of tight end that kills the Steelers. He's, he's another Gronk. But uh, who do they face the biggest challenge from? Which of those weapons will give them the hardest time on Sunday? 
I don't think there's any question it's going to be Hill because you, you have the, the pure speed and you, you saw what... Yeah, but that's all he has. I know, but that's all you need sometimes. But, you know? but sometimes if you don't catch the ball like you should or if you don't make the right read, you should. I don't know. Big tight ends always kill the Steelers. That said... Except that Kelsey never has. Well, and Kelsey only got one target, I think, in yeah. LA or one catch, whatever it was. So now, maybe it's going to be different with I Mahomes. I mean, they have always done a number on Kelsey, and, and I think it is going to be different with Mahomes and Alex Smith, who relied on Kelsey an awful lot. I think what you're going to see, especially once Kansas City's coaching staff looks at the Steelers' tape from Cleveland, is that they're going to find a way to dump over those blitzes. Uh, Cleveland did that a couple of times, but, I mean, we were actually talking about this in the press box during the game saying, why aren't they taking advantage of that even more? Uh, Tyrod Taylor would drop back, and all he'd have to do is flick it in the air uh, to one of his running backs, and they would have been running for 30 yards. I think you're going to see Kansas City do some of that, especially early, to counter the Steelers' aggressive rush. Uh, do the Steelers really need to win Sunday because it feels like Oh, it. yeah. At home? Yeah. yeah. The, when, when, After when, tying the Browns? When, sure. When zero, no Levion? Yeah. Wouldn't 0 one one be a hole? I think it'd be a hole in more ways than one. Well, mentally, definitely. Yeah, I mean, mentally, you'd be, big you'd be casting doubt, and, and I can't stress this enough. It'd be happening at home. Uh, you're going to see. I'd be stunned, first of all, if Mike Tomlin doesn't have the offense get introduced, so that James Conner can get that roar when he comes out onto the field. Set that tone right there. Get the crowd into it. Get the crowd behind him. Run the ball early. Yeah, if they don't win that, that's. There's there's going to be doubt that sets in, not, not not just in the public, but with these guys. I really believe that. What's your prediction? I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win handily because I think the quarterback, when's the last time you saw Ben not bounce back after a bad well, game? Well, especially at home. Especially at home. That said, a lot of people are picking Kansas City, and they looked really good at L.A., Really good. Yeah, they, they did They did a lot of good things. That said, I mean, the, the Chargers also give up a lot. Uh, and I, I don't think you're going to see the Steelers' defense be anywhere near as accommodating as what Los Angeles' was. i, I got to get the little Pens talk before we, we break good. for today. Camp opens Friday. I wrote a column saying that we tend to overanalyze small flaws, and we ignore that the Penguins mm-hmm. are loaded. They really and, and are. And they really are loaded, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, that's the way I think of it. Um, even... Uh, yesterday they had a, they had another one of those informal skates and scrimmages, and they were messing around with the lines. I mean, they were just making their own units. Sid goes out there with Gino and Phil, which is actually kind of funny. Yeah, we're not going to use that this season. And no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Maybe not even on a power play, but you are going to see, and you are going to see, I think, the depth that is there, Mark, all over the ice, uh, even in that scrimmage. Uh, every other line that came out there, you were saying to yourself, you know, the, you realize there's absolutely nobody on the perimeter on the outside who has a prayer of cracking this team, right? Well, I, I even that's wonder. Crazy, but it's I even true. wonder if Daniel Sprong and Zach Aston Reese are going to be in the lineup on opening night. We don't know that. I mean, let's say let's say for example that uh, a player that not a lot of people are even aware of that he's with the Penguins. So Jimmy Hayes is a guy who was a pretty good penalty killer role player in New Jersey. You good, like him, right? Good fourth line right wing. Like if the fourth line. Yep. Was Cullen and Shane and Jimmy Hayes? You couldn't complain about that. No, you couldn't because the other thing you could do with those guys, regardless of what you'd get out of them five on five, and they'd be pretty effective at that, is you'd have your penalty killing would be set. And really, when you have a team as loaded up front as the Penguins, the fourth line is primarily to score pe- store penalty killers as much as anything else. And I think you're going to have to see, and, and Jim Rutherford threw me a hint to this effect a few weeks ago, that Daniel Sprong needs to be on the top three lines or he won't play. He'll be sitting up with us. So I don't think he's going to play. I, I don't know. Although, I mean, although what I would do is, this is me. Yeah. 
I would put Sprong on Sid's line for the first month and see what happens. And, and take off Sid? What do you mean? <laughs> Sid, Sid's not going to play with a guy who's not supporting the puck. He doesn't support the puck. Well, then, I mean, oh, really? I mean, that's why you, I know you've been on Sid okay, about Sid Dominic Simone. Simone. Yeah. Right, but that's why, because Simone supports the puck. Simone makes the little plays to get the puck back to Sid so Sid and Jake can do their thing. I would not play Nobody Simone wants Sid, that because period. they see Dominic Simone get chances and not finish them. He's never going to do that. He's not well, going to be scoring Well, then he shouldn't play with NHL. Sid, Dejan. That's fine, but tell that to Sid. Oh, if, All I'm saying, you if brought he up asked here, me, I will. You brought up Sprong in this equation, and I'm telling you that Sprong won't support the puck. People talk about his defense, Mike Sullivan will tell you that his biggest problem with Sprong is that he doesn't produce on offense in terms of supporting the puck, and he can't play with Sid. Well, if you're not going to play your big finisher with your big playmaker, that really rips asunder a lot of I, ideas I, I've had about I, hockey over the years. Well, we thought a lot of the same things when even, Phil came, and, right? Don't get me wrong. Oh, Phil has to play with Sid because I Phil is... I think it's going to turn out like happen. you're saying, yeah. but it's not... like I think the first two lines are should be Gensel, Sid, and Hornquist, yep. Kessel, Hagelin, and Malkin. I will completely agree with you, but what do you do with a third? Uh huh. <laughs> well, Broussard, a center. No matter so what they're thinking about, Broussard's I, I believe Broussard's going to stay at center. So you're talking Broussard, Rust, and Sprong. I would play Rust at right wing. Rust is a much better right wing. So you're moving Sprong out of position. You're moving Sprong to the press box. No press box. Okay. So I mean, like I would play Sprong with Sid, but if they're not going to, so what are you going to do with Sprong in the press box? Because he can't I go down. Just popcorn. Uh, well, you can share with Sprong. I'm just saying. I'd be more than happy. But you also can't just let him rot up there. He can't go back to the American Hockey League. He Maybe can't. you trade him. Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, one thing I want to say about the Penguins is that, that, you know, again, in terms of the notion that they're loaded, which not enough people really look at. Defensively, you know, too. Don't leave that out. Right here. Yeah. Uh, one of the best defense cores in the league from yeah. top to bottom. Emphasis on that phrase, from top to bottom. Top to bottom, because now I, what the hints that I've been getting from being around them the last couple of weeks is that I think you're going to see the top two pairings, Mark, be a lot more evenly split, not just in ice time, but also in roles. You're going to see games where Justin Schultz and Oli Mata are tasked with going against the other team's top pairing. Well, now now let me throw this out there, too. Mm -hmm. I've also heard they're considering balancing the bottom two pairs and having Mata play with Alexiak and Johnson play with Schultz. That might happen as well. And a lot of that is based on, obviously, who they feel is most comfortable as a left shot moving to the right side. They say that they're happy with Alexiak's going to play the right side no matter what. Johnson says he can do it. Yeah, but but he's better on the left than Alexiak's proven on the right. He is better on the left, and in particular, if the reason that you acquired Johnson, the primary reason was his breakout percentage rate, then that's absolutely the side you want to keep him on. You know who I feel a bit bad for sometimes when they seventy three percent by the way when they put the depth chart together is mm. Oli because I thought Oli was brilliant last year. He was really and, good, and he's like their their Finnish Army knife. He can, he, can, he, can, he can partner anybody, and even though you know he belongs in the top four, he might line up in the bottom pair just for the sake of him being able to partner and that's, anybody. That's the quote-unquote price that you pay, if you will, for being on a championship-caliber team. And, 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 and Oli's never, you know, Oli. I mean, he's not the type to complain about anything, and he's going to put himself into the best situation to help the team. Actually, he complains about Aston Villa a lot, but that's a that's a different conversation. Uh, two guys are going to bounce back big. Matt Murray and Chris Letang. I think not only going to bounce back and play better, bounce back and, and be candidates for their respective trophies, especially Tanger. You want another one? Go ahead. Broussard. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. But I, I just kind of wrote last year off as a lost season for him after coming to Pittsburgh because he, he started off he hurt was a mess, and never man. really fit in. No, but for, was, no, that's a real good point. That's actually. I, I, mean, I think that would, his history is such that he's so solid. There's a yes. reason. Every, but this is not like... 
Well, he's a top six center on almost every team in the league, except and that's this one. part of what threw him. He was used to being on the power play yeah, in addition we'll to everything get, we'll else. Get used to that now. You know what? I, I spoke with him at length last week, and his head seems to be in a good place about that. But his focus was much more on chemistry. He said I, he needs to find people that he works with, and that's not to put the onus on them. He's putting it on himself that he needs to adjust. Well, look, if you're playing with who did we have on his line again? Brian Rust? And I, I, I would put Zach Aston Reese, but and it might Zach be Zach Aston Reese, you can find. I, I like that a lot in large part because Aston Reese would go to the net, which is something that Broussard won't. I think you have a nice mix there. No, I'm a Broussard guy. And if, if, I, yep. if I didn't state him as a guy to have a bounce back here, I just assume he will. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's always been solid and he's a, he's a good guy to have. And in, he's in many healthy. Respects. He's healthy, too. Right. That matters. Right. That's Dejan Kovacevic brought to you by Walnut Grill. I'm Mark Madden. 105.9 X.